When you were in school, you might have seen them referred to as the Benelux countries, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Little Luxembourg. Squeezed in between mighty France and Germany, they're often overlooked by tourists. But as the host to so much of the earliest action that gave rise to the European Union, and with Brussels as the center of much of the EU's authority, this region is not to be underestimated. Right now on Travel with Rick Steves, let's find out how this corner of Europe that's also called the Low Countries really stands tall as one of the most influential, innovative, and well-organized corners of the continent. Joining us to better appreciate the Low Countries are two Belgian-born friends of mine who've been guiding visitors around their homeland for years. Nina Derrick specializes in gourmet food adventures, and Ferdinando Mengi leads tours all over the area. Ferdi and Nina, thanks for joining us. Hi, Rick. Nice to be here. You both speak Flemish, right? Yeah. That's Flemish. right. Yeah. Flemish. How do you say good day in, in Flanders? Hallo, goeiedag. Goeiedag. Goeiedag, yeah. So first of all, when we talk about Belgium, it's a country that's split between two ethnic groups. Absolutely, um, mainly between the Flemish in the north and then the Walloons in the south, so the French-speaking people of Belgium. But we can't forget a German community in the east of Belgium as well. That's 70,000 people. 70,000, and that's a good reminder that you cannot just draw a line and say French people here and German people there. There's always a little bit of fuzziness, isn't there? There is. And that's where mainly the problems are in the border regions where the Walloons meet the Flemish mainly. It's not only because of, of us. I mean, I think the average people have, are getting along very well. It's the politicians. They, they don't get along well. And that's the, that's the problem right now. Now, when we think about the uh, split of Belgium, it sort of is where, where the north and the south of Europe comes together, isn't it? There's the, the Romance languages and the Catholic heritage, and then there is the Protestant and the Germanic languages in the north. And this is sort of a cultural fault line that runs right across between France and Germany, between right. Germany and Italy, and in the far west, you actually split Belgium this way. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of, if you look up on Belgium, and Nina knows this as well, I mean, it's like you can see the, the line in between the north and the south. And now, I would say that even, you can even see that in the art, because historically, the big patrons of the art would have been the kings and the emperors and the popes and the bishops, and that would be characteristic of southern art. And in the north, you've got more merchant communities and proud Protestant, you know, freedom from church government and this sort of thing. And that would show itself in the sort of the, the natural patrons of the art would shape the kind of art you're going to see. Well, look at the Golden Age. I mean, the northern uh, part of that part, uh, northern Belgian, Holland, you know, that area, the Golden Age, all that fantastic uh, that's art. All, that that's all merchant's art. All merchant's art. You don't exactly. see many saints nope. or it's emperors. Nope, all merchants. You remember if you go to Amsterdam, for example, and you see that, that Rijks Museum, you don't see any... Religion, it all, it's all moved back to the back, and it's in the front is what happened, the and, merchants and, and stuff. And in the front, you've got your nice food, your yeah. nice silverware, yeah. Your, yeah. All, the, all the riches that you earned because you you're earned. a good capitalist. Exactly. Yeah, I would say, too, that um, Flanders is definitely more of an agricultural mm -hmm. background, a farmer's culture, and the Dutch exactly. are not much more known as the merchant culture. And uh, for us, it's a little, a little more conservative, maybe, in, absolutely. in Belgium. So Belgium is more conservative. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. They're yeah. far more reticent, being yeah. farmers, yeah. whereas the Dutch are merchants. The merchants, they've they... been traveling. That's interesting, too. So the Dutch really are famous for their uh, the Dutch East India Company and Henry Hudson and all of this small country, great power, great merchant marines. And in Belgium, you've got more of a farming heritage. And when you're in Belgium, you've got some great beer. <laughs> Absolutely, but I really think that Ferdi is the one to talk about beer, not me. <laughs> Ferdi is the one for beer. Ferdi, I, last time I was in Belgium, 
I met in Bruges, I met these beer pilgrims. Oh, I wow. met so many people from America going over to Belgium oh, yeah. just to drink the beer. Well, they have beer tours now. You know, you do you do a beer tour, you, you, you sign up for a tour, you can go, for example, let's give you an example, Antwerp, just a city up in the north. They do beer tours in the city where you can go to authentic bars where you stand still on a 16th, 17th century floor, like a wooden floor, and you drink at the glasses you know, they've been using for centuries, and you have a guide who's a beer guide explains how they made the beer and, and who drank the beer. And they're evangelical pub. about it. They yeah. love it. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it's, it's, it's a beer. I went to these, the restaurants are quite expensive, but you go to a little pub and you're surrounded by this centuries-old ambiance and coziness. Yes. And you feel, you feel like you're drinking in the middle of a Vermeer painting. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like a, a scene out of a it's, painting. It's a scene out of Vermeer with a very nice beer. And yeah. don't forget, one of those heavy monastic beers, you don't just drink down, you linger over it. We say, we do a terrace. That's how we say it. Let's do a terrace. And it generally means that you drink one of those heavy monastic beers, always with promising titles like Judas, yeah. um, Duval, Duval, Devil, yeah. or the Forbidden Fruit, which forbidden is one of my fruit. favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's like that. And you linger over that. You don't just drink no, totally down very quickly. It's yeah. an evening's entertainment. Oh, yeah. it's a, mm. yeah. In, in the Netherlands, you know, th- these pubs are, are sort of great equalizers, and it's this warm and cozy gazellig. Is that a, is that a gazellig, word? Gazellig, yes. Gazellig in, in Flemish? Great, yes. Gazellig, this coziness. In your, and you got the, the rich boys and the poor boys and the farmers and the lawyers oh, yeah. and everybody the right thing. there enjoying this great And don't beer. forget, every beer has its own glass. Yes, that's yes. very so important. So presentation is very, very important. And this is very important. Yeah, they will never serve you a duvel in a uh, verboten, verboten fruit glass uh, ever. It's always the original glass. Now, is there any reason for that, or is it just simply tradition? It's a religion. It's I a religion. It's, it's a religion. It's a status. I can't drink yeah. a Stella, yeah. Art- a Stella Artois without you, the right Stella glass. Yeah, you you can't. It you tastes can't. different. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and even uh, a simpleton, when it comes to beers, he catches into that when they're traveling. And that's a very nice thing to do, is to appreciate these fine points of the drinkable culture. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're traveling through the Low Countries. And uh, to be honest, we're ignoring Luxembourg on this interview, and we're talking about Belgium and the Netherlands. I'm joined by Nina Derricks and Ferdinando Mengi, and our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. And David is on the line from Nashville, Tennessee. David, thanks for your call. My pleasure. Goedemiddag to your guest. Hey, goedemiddag. Goedemiddag. My wife and I spent 12 years in Europe, including five and a half years in the Netherlands and three months in Belgium. And uh, we've been back 15 years now in the United States, but we've decided to start hosting groups in Europe with the idea of promoting what we call cultural intelligence among Americans. And uh, we're taking a group to London, Paris, and Amsterdam each for one week, and, uh, of course, we have our ideas about Amsterdam, having lived there for several years, but wondering if your guests could recommend some, maybe just two or three day trips out from Amsterdam. Well, there's so much to see in that area, and uh, the, the nicest part about being there is that you don't have to drive all that far to see things. So you don't have to think about, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it. I have to drive like four or five hours. No, it's very near there's all kind of things. For example, Arnhem is as far as I would say the open air museum. It's a, a good hour drive 
from Amsterdam. You That's have the, the Noordpoort. open air, the open air in op- Arnhem. In Arnhem, which a- is, you know. A-R-N-H-E-M. Yeah, Arnhem. it's like a good hour, hour and a half from there, which is very doable if you want to do it for a day. Now, that would be the the best open air folk museum experience, which is an uh, opportunity to see historic buildings from all corners of that country. Yes. And then brought together into one park. Yep. So it's a it's living sort of cultural folk park. Wonderful uh, place to go visit. That's and the best. I, w- I would say that's the best serious sightseeing side trip. I would from say Amsterdam. that. That's why I mentioned One it hour first. by train or yeah. car yeah. to the east. east. What's another side trip, Ferdy? I would say you go to the Zanseskans, for example, which you have all the windmills, which is not that far from Amsterdam. You can do it like in half an hour or so, 45 minutes. Beautiful setting also with kind of a typical farm, and but especially windmills. Buses like leaving probably two oh, times gosh, an yes. hour from the yes, train station yes, in Amsterdam. Easy. Quite a, quite a touristy place, but you do get to check off all of your yeah. cliches from, yeah. from the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, what else? I would say nothing uh, distance-wise is far in Belgium or Holland at all. No. So really, even if you go to Antwerp from Amsterdam, Ferdi, what would it take? Would it take an hour but, but and a half? Tra- hour and a half. If you go by train, yes. it's an hour and a half. And Antwerp is a beautiful uh, Absolutely. And then you have to visit. I would say you got to check out the flowers. And there's the flower auction oh, hall in uh, in well, in Alsmeer. Alsmeer. And that's yes. right by Schiphol Airport. Yeah, that's only a 20 minute. So go right. there early in the morning and you'll see the biggest, what they say is the biggest building in Europe and it's filled with flowers. Yeah, it's huge. And they have this fascinating auction going on where yeah. all over Europe flower merchants are coming together here, getting their flowers, and then they ship them out. It's huge business. There's so much. We can sit here forever and talk about all the sites and they just keep on popping in my mind what you can see. But those three we just mentioned are, are great ones. David, does that make any sense to you? Absolutely. Now, did you say Alsmeer or Almere for the Alsmeer, A A L. Because I remember there are two different cities and yeah, you have Almere as well. My favorite single town outside of the giant city of Amsterdam is um, Harlem. If you want to make a home base, I just I think Harlem is again. It's one of those Vermeer painting sort of situations. That's a ten-minute ride by the train. Uh, Harlem is definitely on our list. I don't know if you've ever been to the Ten Boom House. Corey Ten oh. Boom, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anybody oh. who's interested in The Hiding Place, it's an yeah. inspirational story yeah. from uh, World War II and the Nazis and the Jews hiding out and everything. Yeah. It's a beautiful experience. It's a it's a, it's a, a clock shop that actually doesn't like all the tourists coming in and saying, where's Corey Ten Boom's house? <laughs> but uh, upstairs was the place where the yeah. Ten Boom family lived and helped uh, local Jewish people hide out from, from the Nazis. Exactly. And, and they did a heroic job and eventually... Weren't, weren't they yeah. discovered? And that oh, was, yeah, a, was sort of a sad ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, several times a day, they give very charming, earnest one-hour tours yep. uh, in, English in English for people who want to visit that. Right. And also, I think it's good to gear it to our demographic. Like, if we have teenagers, several teenagers in our group, would you recommend anything different from what you've already said? Get to teenagers on bicycles. Because ah. in Holland, you are king of the road. You have cycling paths in the middle of roads, and you have priorities. Mm-hmm. So really, it's like being in China. Everybody's born <laughs> on a bicycle. Get them on there. Go to any tourist office. They have fixed routes, and let them take off. You know, when I go to Amsterdam, I go there every couple of years for four days to research. I rent a bicycle. I park it in front of my hotel, and it's my way of getting around. If I had a taxi provided to me for free... I'd tell them to go home. I'd rather bike in that yeah, town. Yeah. It is so fun to bike as just a practical way of getting around yeah. in Holland. I would argue it's faster than a car. You can yeah. get around where you want really mm-hmm. comfortably. And if you want to be away from the city, you can go actually go to the North Sea if you go to the, the beach area. You know, there's such beautiful bicycle paths and the polders mm-hmm. there and the, and the dunes like we call them. And you can you can bicycle for miles. There. And there's and specific a, cycling roads really through the back roads. door. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, David, yeah. take your kids on a bike tour out into the countryside from Amsterdam. That sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, David, thanks. Good luck on your trip. 
Thank you very much. Danke vielen Okay. Well, of course, they call the low countries the low countries because there's not many very big mountains there, right? No. They say you can stand on a chair and see from one end of the other yes. to the other country. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, the Dutch have this charming phrase. They say, God made the world, but the Dutch. Made we made Holland. We made Holland. Exactly. That's true, though. And there's mm-hmm. some serious work going on now in anticipation of rising sea level. Are they, are they making the dikes actually higher? Well, they're enforcing the dikes. And, and since now, global warming, we don't, still don't know 100% what the effect is on the world. But we have to be prepared. It takes years to... Well, you guys saw what happened in New Orleans. Of course. And that was a levee problem. Yes. And you're surrounded by levees. Yes. So we learned, unfortunately, we learned from their mistakes. Most so. of the Netherlands below sea level. Yep. One entire state reclaimed from below sea level, Flevoland. Flevoland, yeah. The, With Lelystad as the, as the city there. I the, think the, one-fifth is reclaimed. The oh, people yeah, lands. Holland. The people in Flevoland are older than the land they live on. <laughs> yes, Incredible. it is actually. It's amazing. And as a traveler, you can actually experience this. You can go to museums that talk about reclamation. Oh, gosh, yes. They explain everything out there. It's such beautiful museums where they really uh, What's make the best clear. place to learn about the, the whole... Um, engineering of holding back the you sea. You go to Delta Works, you know. The Delta Works, the Delta tell Delta me about Works. that. Remember when in 1953 when they had this big flood, 1,800 people died overnight because they didn't expect the lineup of the of the planets and so forth. And then this, this high water just, uh, I was there recently and it's amazing what they created there. Uh, so the Delta Works, this is where all these rivers that eventually become yeah, yeah, the Rhine the, River and the Rhine, up. the Moss, and they all come together. So really, so if you look at the Delta map of area, that, yeah, dumps the Delta into the area, sea. And it's just, can you imagine, think about, we're just going to close off the North Sea. I mean, think about it for an instance. It's like amazing. And they did it. And it's working great with the... Um, it's, a, it's a determination. And it, it, it's part of the character of the Dutch people to yes. take care of their land. They live very densely together. Look in the world. All the works that's been done by water. For example, in Tokyo, that airport that's built on the water, is built by the Dutch. Is that so, right? Oh, yeah. If you want to have some land made brick somewhere, call the Dutch. If you want to get some swamp land and turn it into dry (laughs) land, give the Dutch a call. Absolutely. They are fantastic engineers. And Matt's on the phone in Chicago. Hi, Matt. Thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Really appreciate your program. Uh, My wife and I actually traveled to France a few months back and decided to take a little trip for three or four days up to Belgium. It turned into six days because we had such a wonderful time. Uh, And, of course, we visited Brussels and Bruges. But one area that we stopped over and ended up spending two and a half days in, and it was kind of a surprise to us, was Ghent. And Ghent, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it, it really has some wonderful sights and a great culture to it. So I'm curious kind of uh, your, your uh, guest feelings on Ghent. Um, I would highly recommend it based on the sights. It's kind of a grittier version of Bruges, uh, if you will, to university town. But there's beyond even the adoration of the Mystic Lamb, which is the one main site that a lot of people know about. I think there's a, a lot of neat stuff to do. Um, and then if there's any other cities like that around uh, the Belgian countryside that would be suggested, uh, my wife and I can't wait to get back. And to give a context to this, of course, Brussels is the capital, and you got to see that. And Bruges is everybody's favorite, beautifully preserved medieval town in a fanciful kind of way. And Matt, you hit it right on the nail. Ghent is sort of a big, rough version of Bruges with one great medieval altarpiece to see. Uh, Nina, any other thoughts on Ghent? Yes, I think in Belgium, Ghent is often overlooked. I think Bruges is like a living museum, um, and it's wonderful to wander around in its little streets, but Ghent is a city with a fantastic history, equally great as Bruges, but it's a very much a living, buzzing town today. Yes. And I like nothing more than wandering around in the streets of Ghent, and mm-hmm. you just automatically get drawn into its cafes and its mm-hmm. fish market. It's fantastic. It's yeah. about 250,000 people, yeah. but you really feel this city is buzzing today. 
with yes. a rich history behind. And much as I love Bruges and everybody's got to go to Bruges, to be honest, it's a tourist trap. I mean, it is, its whole industry of is course. tourism. Love Bruges. Everybody is taking care of the tourists. You'll mm-hmm. pay probably double to stay well, in, totally in, in Bruges yeah. than in Ghent. Yeah. And Ghent probably gets one out of one hundredth of the tourism. Of course. And it's a real city. Yeah, it, it is really a magnificent city, and there's, you know, you hear Prague is the city of a thousand spires, but as we looked at our hotel room, there's spires everywhere. There's four or five churches that rise up in the yeah. Belfort. My wife and I stumbled onto the Opera House and found day of, of the event seating, and I think it only cost us like seven or eight euro a piece. Now, of course, we were up in the rafters, but go see the opera. All right. Good Great. advice, Matt. Thanks for your call. Take care. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Belgium and the Netherlands with Ferdinando Mengi and Nina Derricks. Ferdi and Nina, we'd stumbled onto that word earlier, gezellig. It's a Flemish word, and Flemish would work in uh, in the Netherlands and most of Belgium. Yes. And uh, gezellig is that unique coziness. Let's just close with an image. If you could both share with me something particularly gezellig about your homeland that travelers would want to be sure to connect with. I would say the hospitable people we have, the hospitality we have, uh, we are very inviting. I don't want to focus totally on English-speaking people or Americans, but Nina knows as much as I do. We all love to speak English. I mean, you go into a bar or go to a restaurant, they all want to listen to you. They want to tell how wonderful we are, how great our food is, for example. And yes. Also, our restaurants, our bars are gazelle. That's They're gazelle. Cozy. Definitely. That's gazelle. That's it. I can and think being the, together is gazelle. Maybe the most gazelle atmospheres to eat. That's gazelle. Are For in, us. In Flanders, yeah. 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 Or linger behind one of those beers, and then you really get people talking. Yes, uh, and right. then they start yes. talking and eating. And then eating you can and... ask about where do you think I should go and eat. Don't look into all those Michelin <laughs> guides and no. uh, recommendations for restaurants. Talk to the local people local. and you really will get them going and you'll end up in their favorite restaurant. And how more Belgian or Dutch can you get? That's a gazelle place. That's, they will show you definitely a gazelle spot. Perfect advice. Thank you well. Nina Derricks and Ferdi Mengi. I should be free. Rick Steves teaches smart European travel. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Europe's top sites, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your European travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next European adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.